Welcome to a brand new series of Let's Shape the Future. I hope you're having a great day. I am your host, Ben Dickinson, and for those that don't know, this is a show where I chat with business leaders, inspiring individuals, and more about who and what is shaping the future. If you enjoy, please leave a review, and also feel free to share your thoughts with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms. Without further ado, let's crack on with episode one of season two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Let's Shape the Future. Um, this week's guest has huge experience in the enterprise technology space and, and now specializes in procurement, supply chain and operations. Um, Dr. Marcel Volmer is currently a partner and director at Boston Consulting Group and joins me to discuss a large array of topics around a business's digital transformation. So Marcel, thank you very much for joining me today. And many thanks for having me and hello to all of you. It's a great pleasure being with you. Right. And um, so, so to kick off, you, you've obviously held a large number of strategic roles across different companies and, and industries. Did you want to tell us a bit about your career journey up till now and what made you go into the technology or consulting space originally? Absolutely, Ben. Very happy to share. And to keep it short, basically, um, <clears throat> I was 15, one, five years um, at DHL. So I was a little bit in supply chain lo- logistics business. And after the integration of DHL into Deutsche Post WorldNet, um, I was basically asked also what to do next. And I got an amazing offer from SAP. And I joined SAP and I stayed there for 14 years, a little bit longer than 14 years. So it's a great place to work for sure. And I started basically um, with setting up the first shared service center for um, SAP. And it um, really evolved, my role um, in the organization evolved um, to become a strategic in-house consulting organization, uh, defining strategies, but also executing them. And this was really an exciting time and uh, multiple projects in different different um, areas of the SAP business, which was and is still growing very, very fast. Um, and I was also part then of um, integrating the large acquisitions business object Sybase, so basically a business object 6.5 billion back in 2007 was the first really <clears throat> big acquisition SAP has, um, has done and uh, was amazing becoming the integration lead um, uh, first for business objects and for Sybase. And um, in the new um, co-CEO office setup with Bill McDermott and Jim Hagemann-Snabe, I got asked to um, lead some of the PMO activities, the project management office. So you see, I worked um, a lot in my life, in my career, in very much project-related roles, um, up to leading an um, in-house consulting organization. Um, and finally, I got asked then from um, my boss, the group CFO at SAP, um, back in 2011 to become the chief procurement officer to do redefine and um, reorganize the procurement function. And this is now nine years back. Um, By the way, I did this role for a little bit more than four years. So the longest time I really stayed into one position. And the reason for that was also not only the excitement about procurement and the impact what procurement can bring, it was also that SEP continued the acquisition strategy by acquiring Ariba, Field Class, uh, Conquer. So basically, the journey continued. 
And as being the business owner for source to pay internally at SAP, my role was also implementing all of these solutions. And um, um, I did this uh, for quite a bit before I then moved on and um, joined Ariba. I also relocated to Atlanta, Georgia uh, to become the chief operating officer and continuing the integration work. Um, and finally, my last role at SAP was chief digital officer, helping customers to define their digital transformation strategy, but also execute on, on them with a main focus on intelligence spend management. So everything what is around procurement tightly integrated in supply chain. After that, um, a little bit more than one year, um, I decided first to join Salonis, market leader for process analytics, process mining. I stayed there for one year and then I got an offer from BCG and I can tell you, I couldn't say no. <laughs> I wanted to work in strategy consulting um, from the very beginning when I studied and um, this opportunity um, was so exciting and I can tell you it is absolutely amazing being um, at BCG and really now uh, focusing on digital procurement. And that's basically what I do as a global partner um, at the BCG organization. So really fantastic job. Yeah, you've, you've got quite an extensive CV then. Yeah, yeah, my CV in the meantime, I turned 50 this year. So therefore I'm a little bit longer in business and um, therefore definitely um, it's a little bit a longer one. So I need to work and uh, practice a little bit more by keeping it very short <laughs> the key roles but um, it's a couple of titles I had in the time of my career and um, on that note obviously you, you've been a, a chief procurement chief operating a chief digital and a chief innovation officer what are the sort of key differences between those roles and which one did you enjoy the most oh <clears throat> that's really a very tough question because was really more an evolutionary journey, how I would see it. Basically, starting with leading a procurement function, I never wanted to, uh, to go into procurement. But basically, when I really um, started, um, I enjoyed this very much because procurement is the most beautiful uh, place where you can be to get an overview and insights about the entire company. What is a business model? What are the different um, business areas? And this is where you get a lot of insights um, from um, being part of procurement. And therefore, this was definitely um, a game-changing role in my career. But I have to say, it is really tough to compare the different functions because becoming a chief operating officer was due to my background in procurement. And also, um, I joined Ariba, basically the market leader for um, for procurement solutions for source to pay solutions in the cloud so therefore i could really benefit and leverage my previous role as cpo for my new role as coo and i could combine it with the integration experience but also now um, getting a little bit more into the sales side and i continued that and um, basically the outcome of that was after the operational task were all really very well structured. Um, I think we hired more than 1,500 people on the Riva side, um, which was a lot uh, within two years. And um, over the 
period of time, I joined Ariba um, and continued as um, chief digital officer. Basically, we um, um, more than tripled um, the revenue. So the market for cloud solutions was really tremendously growing. So therefore, I have to say, I enjoyed all of them. Also, Salonis as chief innovation officer um, and my, my current role. But it's really a tough one to, to make a decision about which is the best because it's more an evolutionary journey, I would call it. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think uh, it was quite a tough question, but, but you you answered it without answering it, so don't worry. <laughs> um, so on about procurement, how have you seen the processes and technology used within that business area evolve over your career? I'm, I'm assuming automation, for example, has been a key driver in that area and, and driven a number of benefits for customers. Yeah, absolutely. So procurement um, is currently at a kind of inflection point um, due to the COVID-19 crisis. And um, uh, I wish I could say it's over now and looking back to that. But I have to say, as we are uh, speaking right now, we are still in the middle of the crisis. There's a vaccine now which is getting released, but it takes um, really a long period of time to um, um, to roll it out for for um, billions of um, of people so therefore i think it's still too early to say when it when it ends but what you have seen is basically um, an acceleration of the digital transformation like you and i are now doing a video interview i think under um, different circumstances if travel would be back um, we definitely would meet probably in london um, in Frankfurt, um, um, in, in Waldorf, uh, wherever. And that's really something also what we have seen. Another very important um, learning uh, from my perspective is that procurement and supply chain was never so high on the agenda of the C-level, um, the CEO, CFO, and all the executive functions within a company because everyone could see from one moment to another, and it started in the Hubei region in China, so Wuhan city is the uh, um, main city, the largest city in that area, that basically what can happen if a supply chain gets disrupted? Mm. And you see from one moment to another how important it is really to have a resilient supply chain um, to focus on risk management. And this is exactly what procurement um, is doing, where you need to find alternative sources. We have seen the face mask. We are now, when we are going outside, we need to wear a face mask uh, more or less all over um, in the world. But we have seen also how difficult it is to get the face mask to the people. Um, in the meantime, the situation is um, more normalized, I would say. But basically, this is really where you could see and feel what the impact of procurement is and also how you need focus on planning and creating value for companies by securing the supply chain. It is also driving innovations to focus on the value generation of what procurement does. And let's not forget, um, delivering procurement savings is absolutely um, um, and, and top priority for every company. And there's another topic I don't wanna miss um, really on the strategic side, which is sustainability. We only have one planet and we see that not necessarily only the companies, it is the consumers. Basically the people buying all the products are very much interested also in the uh, sustainability footprint. And with that, 
um, procurement plays a key role because it interacts with all internal stakeholders, but also with the entire supplier ecosystem. So if you really want to drive change and generate impact, I think procurement is um, it's a sweet spot of where all the information are coming together and where you really have a chance um, to um, create impact by taking the right decisions about which suppliers do you want to work with? Um, in which countries do you need to keep an eye on the human labor um, um, conditions? What you what you have? Uh, no one wants to have child labor in their in their product. So mm. that's definitely something also what what procurement can do. So the inflection point basically means that the journey continues. Procurement is going into a value generating function with the areas um, I just highlighted. But on the other side, it's also a transformational um, aspect because with all the technology, the automation, the source to pay um, um, solutions, what we see in the market, um, the automation is, is going to the next level. And with that, procurement will become smaller by the number of people working in that because operational tactical tasks are getting more automated. Yep. But the value and the contribution of procurement is at the same time also increasing. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. I think, as you say, over time, the, the the department of procurement is decreasing, but the value to the business is increasing. So it's quite a yes. quite a, a, a good concept. And um, so 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 moving to to the role that you're in now within BCG, um, what does your job entail, and and how was it starting a role during a pandemic as well? Yeah, <laughs> so let me start with the um, with the first part. What what am I doing right now? Basically, my focus is um, helping companies defining their digital transformation strategy for procurement and also how to go next level and really deliver um, on, the, um, on the journey um, to transform procurement um, and to bring procurement to the next level by establishing a value generating uh, function. That's basically the core focus area and the digital piece is basically um, everything more or less is digital right now. Even if you start with demand planning, you need to have analytics. When you go um, for the sourcing, you do e-sourcing, um, selecting suppliers, you need to have supplier lifecycle, you need to have performance information. So therefore it is really an end-to-end approach what um, what I'm focusing on and I don't do this alone BCG has in the meantime um, more than 500 uh, people 270 experts on the BCG side and there was an acquisition um, a few years back of Inverto another consultancy specialized uh, on procurement and basically the combined power um, is really what also brought procurement um, on top um, of um, the initiatives, what BCG is doing internally. So procurement is part of the top 10 uh, global initiatives, what the company uh, runs. And the reason for that is pretty simple. Everyone sees and um, is more and more seeing the value potential, what procurement can bring to the table. And that's what I do, helping and advising um, our clients in how to do the transformation. The other part of your question, I like it very much because starting um, in the midst of a pandemic, it is not so easy, I have to say. I'm 
I got educated and um, uh, it even started at DHL. It continued at SEP, which you um, uh, probably uh, um, agree on as well. Um, and the same at BCG. Networking is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. speaking to people, meeting the people, and also the clients. So you need to build trust. You need to build a relationship. That's definitely tough to do it only on video. Um, fortunately, our offices are still open, which gives me a little bit time also um, to meet face-to-face uh, -face, um, at least some of the key people um, at BCG here out of the Frankfurt uh, office. Um, but basically, the rest... Um, um, I do on a remote basis. What really helps, I have to say, is that BCG has an amazing culture. It is so warm, welcoming, at least what I experience every day. Um, people are very nice, very friendly. Everyone wants to help you. This made it fairly easy for me to connect and to get into BCG. And I have to say, I really enjoy it every day. I'm, I'm working for, for the company, which is absolutely amazing. Mm, no I, I agree I think the, um, I started my new role back in June as well so I'm in a similar situation where um, I was in the pandemic as well and I, I, I completely agree I think there there's some aspects which working from home is great but then there's some aspects where it would uh, it would definitely be enhanced by as you say building that relationship and and say like doing workshops with customers i think stuff like that is is more valuable in person rather than um over these um sorts of channels but um on, yes. on, on, on the topic of the pandemic what have been your key observations um over the last nine months within how businesses are operating oh wow <clears throat> then um i see that questions are getting tougher and tougher <laughs> Um, um, I wish really I, I have a very straightforward answer, but basically what we see is there was the hammer, um, the escalation and um, the, um, the peak of the pandemic in, in around March timeframe here in, in Europe, um, as well as then um, it really um, went, went global. Um, but now it's a kind of, um, let's say, um, a second, second um, unfortunately increasing curve what we, what we see yeah. right now. Um, and um, the numbers are not looking so good. So therefore, um, I think um, the, the really good, good news and what also me personally gives some hope is that the vaccine, uh, it's not only one company, it's now at least two. I think a third one is very close also to release um, a vaccination. And with that, um, I have really hoped that we will overcome the current pandemic. And hopefully in 2021, we will see that the situation is getting better. Nevertheless, um, it is not over. I think companies and all of us, um, we as individuals, we need to prepare ourselves that um, the lockdown or some call it lockdown light and however you want to call it basically i think it will take a certain uh, period of time until the vaccine is really becoming effective enough people are getting vaccinated um, and then we need to see and hope that the business is not getting um, um, too hard impacted in 2021 um, I think for a lot of companies, it was really a shock. Um, and now is the time really to plan ahead, to define the right strategies, 
and also see, okay, what are the areas probably to invest in? What are areas where the business um, might be not so certain at this point in time? And then hopefully the global economy um, will go to the next, next level and um, we will see that the growth of the global economy um, is uh, continuing. At least that's all. And uh, on on that point, in terms of um, defining, a, a lot of companies have had to completely scrap their roadmap and, and redesign it. Ha, specifically thinking about technology, um, especially with within a company like yourselves at Boston Consulting Group, how early is technology now considered when defining a customer's digital transformation strategy? I think that's, that's a great question. And what we see is that the digital transformation definitely needs to start with a vision. What is it really what a company wants to achieve? It is not investing in technology um, just um, of some purpose by, by taking a decision about technology. It is more basically, what do you want to achieve? Um, how do you see your business model of the future? And then I think it is all around the, the customer. So customer-centric processes um, and serving customers with the right products is definitely the starting point. And then you need also to see that you define your organizational setup, the structure you want to use to support your customers, but also the internal organization and the ecosystem you are, you are in. And then I think, um, what do you need for the processes for the structure you have to find um, for your business model. And that's basically then where I see as a third um, decision, the technology uh, kicks in, where you need to define, okay, what is the right technology I can use now helping me um, to be successful and defining my business model of the future, serving my customers, be successful, having um, great processes in place, seamlessly integrated, and also a structure supporting all of that. And then technology is absolutely key, and you need to define, okay, what is it really what you what you need? Of course, foundational IT systems like ERP, and then also cloud solutions for whatever you are doing, depending on the business uh, you are in, the industry you are in. Mm. No, no, definitely. And um, to, to that point, especially like thinking about the pandemic at the moment and technology adoption in businesses, have you seen from your experience over the last couple of months that, that businesses, um, they, they consider technology an enabler to helping themselves through the coronavirus pandemic and also putting themselves in a better position moving forward? Absolutely, Ben. We see this now. We are on a video conference doing this interview right away. I think... Um, the digital transformation and using technologies like video conferencing definitely accelerated. Um, another um, area is cloud solutions. We see all over in the world that cloud solutions are absolutely the standard now to collaborate. And that's, um, that's where you really see also that the uh, use of technology is from basically one moment to another on a different different level. And I think that's definitely something um, which has a positive side. Um, I don't wanna say that COVID-19 has anything positive, but basically we definitely see an acceleration of the digital transformation right now. And also um, I think all businesses 
are looking at technology a little bit in a different way. I think it's also kind of eye-opening. What is possible to do on a remote basis? I'm now at the home office. We have an A and B um, system in place, one week at the office, one week home office, at the office, and so on. And I think this is also where we learned a lot. Um, you can really do um, a lot of things, probably much more than you ever would have envisioned um, with video conferences. But I'm not saying that this will really be a permanent solution and basically an entire change. We are still human beings. I'm a human being. We have uh, feelings. We have empathy. We know how important it is also to interact with people, to build trust. And therefore, I think technology is definitely helping us and using it in the right way, it is definitely a good thing, but it will never replace really the human interaction and the human touch, what we need doing business, but also in the private life. We see currently a situation, I'm here in Germany and you can hear it from my strong accent, sorry, two and a half years or three years almost in Atlanta, Georgia, didn't help to get rid of the accent. Um, but basically um, seeing now here in Germany that all the restaurants are closed. Um, wow, that's really impacting our social life. And um, uh, this is something technology cannot really replace and also from my perspective should not replace because I think we still enjoy being humans and also enjoy being together and having a chance to meet, build trust, uh, collaborate um, and also um, um, yeah, think about um, the future uh, developing ideas. Um, that's what, what it is like being a human being and um, hopefully this will be back um, to a level where we really have uh, less limitations than we see right now. On the other side, <clears throat> I'm not so optimistic that business travel will really entirely be back at the same level, uh, but that's a very personal opinion and I'm not yeah. speaking for BCG. Um, that's just where I would say, wow, <clears throat> we really have envisioned now what's possible to do on a remote basis. Um, I think um, it's not a long-term or um, solution forever, but basically also probably a lot more can be done in the future and will be done for my um, understanding, also leveraging video conferencing technology like we are using right now um, or finding new ways and collaborating using the different digital tools we have available all over the world. Mm, no, it's quite interesting you bring that up because um, last week I spoke to a, a VP at Air Canada um, on another episode of the podcast and we were speaking about airline trends and it's sort of going back to um, the, the business travel and and he, he mentioned that, that Bill Gates said um, that he expects business travel to probably only reach 50% of what it used to be um, and he, he said he, he disagreed slightly but but he actually said that they don't expect passenger numbers, just general passenger numbers, to go back to 2019 figures until 2024. So it's not a short-term play with a lot of these industries. So, so to that point, do you think most industries are looking at longer-term recovery metrics rather than it getting back to normal as simple as next year? Do you think it's much longer play for a lot of companies? I think it depends on, on the companies as well as on the industries. 
Um, and um, I think it, it's definitely hard to say uh, on a general um, basis. You see that companies like Amazon right now, the retail business um, um, or the, uh, let's say, the, um, the um, e-commerce business is uh, being at a peak, uh, what we can see on the other side, um, even by being in the same industry like, like retail, um, we see a totally different development by having the shops closed um, in, um, in uh, lots of um, countries and cities. So therefore, we will see winners and, and, and losers. And um, a thing what, 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 what I definitely see is that currently a lot of companies asking themselves, what are really the right strategies for the future? How can I prepare for the recovery? Is it really also advisable to continue exactly in that, in that business model? Um, some areas might be even accelerated for the transformation, what they see. Some might continue, look at the automotive industry, what's happening right now with electric vehicles, with self-driving um, technologies, what we see right now. Um, you just mentioned the airline or we discussed the airline industry as another example. So I think that's also something what we will see um, that there will be winners and there will be losers. And probably there are also some new <coughs> innovative companies out there we even don't have on our radar screen right, right now. But I think very important definitely will be that the global economy is coming back um, to a certain level and continuing going um, to help really to make the transformation um, and the future development a success for the company. Um, but, um, and this is the most important for the people um, working at the companies and making all that happen. I think, I think the the key term that was floated around was was resilience during the pandemic. It was how how resilient can your business be? But it's it's turned into now how agile can your business be? So depending on what industry you're in, how agile can your business model be? And how even though you may be a large organization, they've sort of been kicked into changing their business model slightly depending on what industry they're in to sort of protect themselves for now, but also then prepare themselves for the future. Correct. And I think resilience in general and more agility is something what we all see what's happening right now. Resilience supply chains, risk management as a focus is absolutely key for companies. And also seeing how is the consumer behavior changing. Um, we see also during the pandemic that, um, um, that a lot of industries are getting impacted and uh, people have more time, they can't travel. What do they do? Um, they invest in their homes. Um, so therefore, um, furniture industry, probably one you would not have had um, on the top of your agenda by thinking about, oh, what might be the impact um, are going. And um, the healthcare industry is also um, definitely uh, getting impacted by much more investments what's, what's taken right, right now. So I think, yeah, <clears throat> I just can continue, um, can uh, keep saying what I just um, uh, mentioned about their winners and, and losers um, in, in the different, different industries. And moving on slightly to um, sort of teams within businesses, I know obviously you have a lot of experience of, of managing teams in a number of different roles. What are the core components of the best teams that you worked with? For, for example, when I spoke to, to Brian Duffy um, 
regional president of, of SAP recently, he he emphasised the importance of diversity in his teams. What are the, the key components that you would say? I couldn't agree more on what, what Brian Duffy um, said. Diversity really is key. And I learned it by myself in the different leadership roles, managing hundreds of people um, in all regions in the world. Um, having really the best uh, from all the different um, countries and cultures um, as part of your team uh, makes you stronger. Um, your team um, gets different ways of thinking. If we are all alike, hey, what is the outcome? Um, this is really something also where we need, and I think even the smartest um, uh, person uh, on earth might not be able really to reflect on all the cultural components which might be important. And this is really um, where I learned that having a diverse team um, and an inclusive team um, is definitely something we all can benefit from. And I see it now in the consulting business at BCG, we are very diverse. So um, we bring teams together from all over in the world. And it's really amazing seeing how fast also um, such a team setup works in reality. Um, also how fast you are getting integrated and also getting um, getting used to each other by learning a little bit. Oh, wow, um, when is this kind of um, guy and there? We might have someone from Asia, we might have someone from Latin America, from Africa, who, whoever is, is joining. They are different perspectives, different characters, and this makes the team stronger. And therefore, I'm a big promoter of, um, of diversity. On the other side, um, for me, always a success factor was the inner motivation. If you understand what, what motivates um, the individuals you are working with, I think you can be unstoppable. Um, having the right mind, um, a diverse team structure um, combined with a great positive motivation on changing things and really um, doing something together, developing um, brainstorming ideas and also executing that, I think this is really fantastic. And that's where I have seen the greatest success um, in the different roles um, I was doing. Doesn't matter if it was setting up um, project management teams um, for shared services, uh, defining my team, team set up, my leadership team um, in procurement, um, defining and establishing entire new teams and organizations as chief operating officer um, in a global role by combining different um, different regions uh, focusing on areas we, we wanted to grow, as well as as chief digital officer, where I worked in a totally different setup um, with a much broader outreach um, to other organizations and, and reaching out to lots of customers. At least it helped me a lot. Traveling, I have to say, also was a key component uh, being successful by fast understanding the culture um, and being in a country and really meeting the people definitely makes makes a difference. So I think um, the diversity, the inclusion, um, the motivation of the individuals are really the core elements of um, successful teams. And let's not forget the leadership component, I think. Um, and therefore, I, I mentioned the vision. You need to have a vision and also then the right um, leadership skills um, to 
um, provide and give the guidance what is needed really um, to be also successful in a timely manner by achieving your goals. Mm. No, I think you touched on a, an interesting point there about um, geography and location. And do you think, especially with the pandemic, the when looking at the future of the workforce, there's going to be a lot of changes in in terms of, for example there's there's going to be less focus on where someone is located as to whether or not they're suitable for a role because of technology like this we're on now and people are maybe thinking oh I can actually sort of stretch the radius of where I'm going to recruit to and sort of largen the pool that they've got of candidates because they know that geography is less of a restriction to get a job done. Yeah, I think where the people are located is not really so important. Of course, if you're in totally different time zones, your life can be tough. Uh, by jumping on calls um, very early in the morning, what I see very often on the West Coast, um, um, on the other side, um, staying up late if you're in Asia um, and um, running a global team. So um, there are definitely pros and cons. But on the other side, let's not forget, we all have families. Um, we are all living somewhere, and I think um, you need to find the right compromise between the location where you want to be and also the role you are signing up for. And um, with that, thanks to the technology, I think we can make a lot possible right now by working remotely. Cloud helps us a lot uh, by sharing information and uh, jumping on calls, jumping on video conferences. I think this is definitely also an enabler um, to be successful. And therefore, the location is not so important like it was um, in the past, where you had one headquarter. And if you had a role there, you needed to show up. Um, I think this is definitely something what is changing. Let's also think about the different generations. So when you look now at um, uh, generation um, X or Y, um, so X more um, my age, um, or Y the millennials, but then also generation Z, and um, we will see very soon after Z, uh, yeah, there were no letters anymore. So it starts <laughs> again with Alpha. Alpha is probably a little bit young to join the labor market. So everyone born after 2005. Um, so 15 years right now, um, that's probably a little bit too young. But basically, <clears throat> um, I would say um, millennials, generation set, they're absolutely used to social media, to all the digital tools. Um, they even can't remember a time without a smartphone. Um, so that's really also where you see and can feel the digital transformation and how fast the evolution goes. Think about and um, airplanes, it took 68 years to reach 50 million people. That's what we used in the uh, software and the technology industry to say that a technology is adapted. It took 62 years for an automotive to reach 50 million people. Um, a game like Pokemon Go can do this in 19 days. Um, think about that. And yeah, I'm mentioning this. Um, because it is very fast. Um, what you see right now, a game like Fortnite uh, could reach uh, 100 million on revenue on, on Apple, um, uh, on the App Store of Apple only uh, within, uh, within, um, um, within 90 days. Um, so people are used now to technology. And, and, and this is really something also where we see that um, there is a different usage and a different generation 
more used to, hey, why should I travel? Why also thinking about sustainability, the CO2 footprint, what you what you have. Um, why do I need to do it if I can also jump on a video call or if I only need to give a, give a presentation or have one meeting? Um, and that's really something also where we need to balance. And I definitely will would, would, um, would see more usage of um, technologies right now. Mm. No, no, I agree. And as you say, some of those stats, when you put it into perspective of 60 odd years rather than the 19 days, it does put into perspective the the sort of impact that technology can have. And and, and on that, just to sort of finish up, I, I know that you, you regularly post on LinkedIn about new pieces of innovation and, and accelerations in the workforce and other topics. Are there any sort of examples of the best pieces of content or, or innovation that you've seen over the last couple of months that, that you want to highlight? So I think there's really a big bunch of uh, disruptive technologies, what we see right, right now. Um, I have to say um, I'm uh, personally very much impressed about um, how um, um, how fast now space uh, travel is um, um, is getting to the next level. I think Elon Musk is not only revolutionizing the automotive industry. Uh, I think he is definitely one of the smartest minds um, we have um, on the planet. And uh, there's a big bunch of other technologies. Um, I also see a lot happening right now in robotics. Um, leveraging artificial intelligence and the machine learning capabilities, what we see. 5G will bring us to a totally different level on how we can communicate. And now we do video conferences, excellent quality. And we have seen um, how fast Zoom could really um, uh, win in the market here. Um, think about what 5G can, can do, uh, Internet of Things, or also devices getting connected, you might have really end-to-end -end visibility in every aspect of your supply chain. And I think these are really very impressive examples. Um, I'm not a big fan in highlighting too much, even I mentioned now um, a handful of technologies in, um, um, in, in, in really focusing on one. Um, I'm very familiar with the Gartner hype cycle, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you know the concept. Gartner is publishing basically what is the top hype per year. Um, the top high per year was not necessarily really also the next level of technology um, on a global scale. And therefore, I think we see a little bit a different way and not only focusing on one technology. I think in all the different areas, we see a lot is happening right now. And there's a lot of um, time invested. Look at the... Um, at the um, um, at genetics, at the um, uh, pharmaceutical industry. How fast was it possible um, that the vaccination could be developed um, for COVID-19? Um, it took years, ages um, in the past, and now basically it was less than one year. Um, so that's also showing um, that there is really a much different way in how fast companies and people really accelerating transformation, developing new business models and using the available technology or if not available, like Elon Musk, they develop it. And um, it might take a time to bring it to the next level, 
But that's really um, what, what I see out there. And therefore, I'm, I'm a strong believer that technology can be very beneficial. I also hope it will add and open up um, lots of opportunities for the future of work. Um, coming up with jobs we don't know. Right now, it is expected that the people now starting at school or <clears throat> even in the first, uh, the first graders, um, basically, um, half of them will, will be in jobs we even don't know today. And um, this might also show us how fast the digital transformation is scaling up and will change the world. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think um, some people will see that as quite daunting, but I think um, you're probably the same as me, whereas I think that's quite exciting that we don't know what the future's going to hold. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. And um, just as, as a final thing, if anyone wants to find out some more information about yourself or see the content you post um, or then the content of Boston Consulting Group and what they provide, where's the best place for them to do so? Absolutely. Thanks, Ben, for bringing this up as a final one. So feel free uh, to connect and follow me on LinkedIn, Marcel Former, or on Twitter, mformer1 is my Twitter Twitter handle. And let's not forget about the great stuff, the thought leadership, um, what BCG is publishing. Mm -hmm. And the best place to do it is at the Boston Consulting, go bcg.com website to find the latest um, insights. Um, and yeah, definitely worth visiting it. Thank you, Ben. Thanks. No, it's, it's been a great episode. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. I think, I think um, there's there's a lot of innovation and topics that we've spoken about that, that um, the, the listeners will really take some insights from. So, so thank you very much for joining me, Marcel. Very well, welcome, Ben. It was a great pleasure and thanks for having me. Much appreciated and bye-bye to all. I hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. So that is the end of Season 2, Episode 1. I hope you all enjoyed. Um, if you did, then please leave a review. Um, it would be massively appreciated and please share with friends, family, colleagues and anyone else you think would enjoy the content. Um, next week, we've got Paul Taylor, Executive Director of Food Share Toronto, joining us. So that should be a great episode as well. Um, have a great rest of the week, guys.